Samuel. We now come to those books of the Bible which are known as the books of kings. There are four of these and they describe the period when Israel was a monarchy. The first two books, however, are also commonly known as the first and the second books of Samuel, since Samuel, the last of the judges, figures prominently in them. After the time of Samson, Eli, the high priest, became judge in Israel. In his days there lived in Mount Ephraim a man named Elkanah. His wife was called Anna, and she had no children. This man and his wife went up out of his city on the appointed days to adore and to offer sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Silo, where the Ark of the Covenant had now been uh, placed since the time of Joshua. Once while they were there, Anna prayed to the Lord, shedding many tears. She made a vow, saying, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt look down upon the affliction of thy servant, and will give me a son, I will give him to thee all the days of his life. The Lord heard her prayers, and gave her a son, whom she called Samuel. When the boy was three years old, his parents brought him to Silo. He grew up and ministered in the sight of the Lord before Heli the high priest, and he pleased both the Lord and men. The two sons of Eli, Ophni and Phinehas, were, however, wicked men. When anyone offered sacrifice, they took pieces of the meat which did not belong to the priest. Thus their sin became very great in the eyes of the Lord, because they kept men from sacrificing to him. Eli was now very old. When he heard what his sons were doing, he said to them, Do not so, my sons, but they hearkened not to his voice. And there came a man of God to Eli and said to him, Thus saith the Lord, Why dost thou honour thy sons more than me? Whosoever shall glorify me, him will I glorify, but they that despise me shall be despised. On one day both thy sons shall die. Samuel slept in the court of the temple of the Lord, and the Lord called Samuel. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for thou dost call me. Eli said, I did not call. Go back and sleep. He went and slept. The Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose, went to Eli and said, Here I am, for thou dost call me. He answered, I did not call thee, my son. Go back and sleep. Now Samuel did not yet know that it was the Lord. But the Lord called Samuel a third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for thou dost call me. Then Eli understood that the Lord called the boy. He said to Samuel, Go and sleep, and if he call thee any more, thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and slept in his place. And the Lord came and called, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will fulfil against Eli all the things I have spoken concerning his house. He knew that his sons did wickedly, and he did not chastise them. Samuel slept until morning. He feared to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called him and said, 
Samuel, my son, what hath the Lord spoken to thee? I beseech thee, hide it not from me. So Samuel told him everything. Eli answered, He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his sight. After this, the Lord frequently appeared to Samuel in Silo, and all Israel knew that Samuel was a faithful prophet of the Lord. It came to pass in those days that the Philistines gathered themselves together to fight. Israel went out to war against them, but the battle was scarcely begun when the Israelites turned their backs to the Philistines. About 4,000 men were slain, and the people returned to the camp. And the ancients said, Let us fetch the Ark of the Covenant from Silo, that it may save us from the hands of our enemies. So the people sent to Silo, and the Ark was brought. Ophni and Phinehas were with the Ark. Israel was overthrown, and 30,000 men fell. The Ark of the Covenant of the Lord was also taken, and the two sons of Eli were slain. A man escaped from the battlefield on the same day and brought the news to Silo. Eli, who was blind, sat on a seat beside the gate. When he heard the noise in the city, he asked what had happened. Then the messenger ran up and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines. Thy two sons are dead. The ark of God is taken. When he had named the ark, Eli fell backwards from his seat, broke his neck and died. He was 98 years old and had judged Israel for 40 years. Here we see how a good man, a holy man, but yet a weak man, was not able to restrain the excesses of his own sons. And how also a false religiosity, whereby these sons, failing to honour God as they should, yet continued in the external empty practices of religiosity. And when they could not de- defend themselves against the Philistines, they thought it a good thing to bring God onto the scene, to bring the Holy Ark of the Covenant, to have a kind of a superstitious, if you like, a confidence that with the Ark present they could not possibly be defeated. Well, God taught a severe lesson in this, that it's to the heart that he looks and not to the external forms of, a, uh, of, of worship. And that far from the ark and God's presence giving victory to the Israelites, on the contrary, they were crushingly defeated and the ark itself was taken into the hands of the enemy. The Philistines brought the ark of God into Azotus, into the temple of Dagon their god, and set it by Dagon. The next morning Dagon lay on his face upon the ground before the ark. They took him and set him again in his place. And the next day again he lay on the ground, his head and hands were broken off and lying on the threshold. The hand of the Lord was heavy upon the Azotians. When they carried the ark into other cities, many people died there. The Ark of God was in the land of the Philistines for seven months. But afterwards, when they had enough of all of these disasters and misfortunes which had fallen upon them because of the presence of the Ark, they took two kine which had calves and yoked them to a cart and shut up their calves at home. And they lay the Ark of God upon the cart. 
the kind went straightway to Bethshemez, lowing as they went. The princes of the Philistines followed them as far as the borders of Bethshemez. The Levites, when the ark had come to a standstill, took down the ark of God, split the wood of the cart, and offered the kine as a holocaust. They then brought the, uh, the ark to Kariath Yaram into the house of Abinadab, which stood on a hill. And his son Eliza was sanctified to keep the ark of the Lord. And the ark remained in Kariath Yaram for twenty years. After the death of Eli, Samuel judged Israel. And he said to the people, If you wish to turn to the Lord with all your heart, put away the strange gods from among you. Then the Lord will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. They put away the strange gods and served the Lord only. And Samuel said, Gather all the children of Israel to Masphah, that I may pray to the Lord for you. They gathered together at Masphah, and they fasted and confessed, We have sinned against the Lord. When the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together at Masphah, they went up. The children of Israel were afraid and said to Samuel, Cease not to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that we, he may save us out of the hands of the Philistines. Samuel offered a sacrifice and prayed for the people. The Philistines began the battle, but the Lord sent a great storm and terrified the Philistines. The men of Israel pursued them and made such slaughter of them that they did not come any more into the borders of Israel all the days of Samuel. Now when Samuel was old, he appointed his own sons to be the judges over Israel. But unfortunately, they did not walk in his ways. Rather, as had previously been the sons of the high priest Eli. They took bribes and they perverted judgment. Then all the ancients of Israel gathered together and said to Samuel, Give us a king, as all nations have. This displeased Samuel. He prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to him, Do the will of the people. They have rejected not me, but me, that I should not reign over them. But tell them the rights of the king that shall reign over them. Samuel warned the people, but they would not hear his voice. They cried, There shall be a king over us. We will be like all the other nations. Why were the Israelites so determined to have a king? They felt that they were at a disadvantage. As we'd seen previously, the different tribes were only loosely connected together. They were often a, uh, worsted at the hands of their enemies. There was no central authority over them. God indeed did come and save them and appointed judges over them. But to their mind, the situation was unstable. And when they looked around them and they saw that the other powerful enemies uh, who threatened them were apparently, anyway, strong and unified under a king, they felt that it was necessary for them to be likewise. Often uh, this uh, displeasure of Samuel 
and God's a, uh, disapproval of the request for a king is sometimes brought forward as an argument against the government of monarchies. But it's not to be understood in this sense. This is not a question of a particular form of natural government. This is a question of the chosen people of God rejecting God's arrangements for them. They saw God's intervention in their history as a kind of a disadvantage. They felt that it was a precarious situation. They wanted a stable government, but they wanted a natural government. And therefore, it's for this reason that Almighty God tells Samuel not to be offended because they have rejected the system of judges, but rather to consider that they had rejected God himself rather than him. However, because of course having a king is in itself not at all a bad thing to wish for, Almighty God did accede to their request and allowed them to have a king, which of course would have been impossible if this had been a bad thing in itself. And so now we come to the end of the period of the judges and begin the era of the kings.